Welcome back to It's Haunted, What Now? I'm your host, Lainey. Many spiritual encounters involve watching a ghostly occurrence happen around you, like objects moving or disembodied sounds. We're most afraid of the encounters happening to us, such as being touched or personally talked to or targeted. From unknown entities beckoning someone to join them, to an apparition begging to have her name known, these stories will have all of your senses on guard when you find yourself alone at night. Okay, ready to get spooked? Josh from Ohio opens today's episode with a cryptic verse and a vision. I'd like to preface this by saying, I'm not spiritual. I also don't particularly believe in divine experiences or demons or aliens. I'm not saying any of that to be rude, but to illustrate how truly uncanny this thing was for me. I was laying there trying to fall asleep, but I wasn't actually asleep. Maybe I was in a hypnagogic state at the very most, and this is weird. And this weird verse popped into my head. I forgot most of it except it perfectly rhymed and came out flawlessly like it was rehearsed. I didn't make it up is what I'm saying. So this weird verse pops into my head and ends with something like, and now I'll show you my world, and it went from being totally black in my head to this crystal clear image. Imagine sitting slightly behind a small video projector. You're seeing the image displayed while you're right next to the projector. That was the point of view. All of a sudden, images displayed from the projector, and they all seemed to be from the same thing. I saw a child, not their face, but their body, walking through the woods, being led by two men. None of the images were clear, though. It looked like when you take a picture too fast, that sort of dragging motion where you can see sort of what's happening, but not explicitly. Anyways... I see the images of this small child, upset, who is being led through the woods by what I think was two men. I obviously have no idea, but I believe this little boy had been kidnapped. He was upset and the woods were desolate. The two men with him were non-distinctive and quiet. It felt very threatening, even though nothing explicitly happened. The next thing I see is an overhead vision of water and a face rising out of it. Imagine how it looks when someone walks through a waterfall, but it was on a flat plane. That face began speaking in the voice that also said the verses in the beginning. In a sort of squeaky, angry voice, it asked me if I wanted to see more and join it. I went, absolutely not. No, thank you. And the face went back into the water. The entire image disappeared and I opened my eyes and got up. I freak the hell out. It could have totally been a dream, but it's so uncanny and creepy. I wanted to share it. Josh, I don't know what to say to that. What or who could that have been? All I can think about is what exactly did it want you to join in on? Based on your reaction, it didn't seem like a benevolent being, and I'm really glad you chose to nope the heck out of that vision. 
I honestly hope you never have that sort of experience again. Our second story comes from Shuddering Shannon, who braved the unknown for the safety of her baby. My daughter is 10, and this happened when she was a baby around a year old. I lived in a modular home in a trailer park in Hedgefield, West Virginia. There was some paranormal activity I had seen around the place now and again, like a shadow man with a tall hat, not a top hat, but I don't know what it's called. Anyways, nothing like what I saw that night had ever happened before or since either. My daughter had started screaming hysterically, Not the boo-hoo-pick-me-up kind of crying either. It was the blood-curdling, that made your heart stop in terror kind of scream. Naturally, I ran like a bat out of H-E-double hockey sticks, ready to either whoop some butt or call an ambulance. I was in full-on panic mode. I had no more than opened the door to her room when I saw a see-through apparition of an old woman leaning over her crib, bent over at the waist. She was just staring at my kid. The feeling I got when I walked in and saw that, I'll never forget. My knees shook and I actually froze in terror for a second, trying to decide if my mind was playing tricks on me or not. The old woman was wearing a long baggy sweater and had on a long skirt. Her hair was in a tight bun and her hands were clasped behind her back like she was examining a test subject that fascinated her. She stayed staring at my daughter until I told her, You leave my baby alone! Only then did she very slowly and very creepily turn around to look at me. Turning only her head, still bent over, she gave me such a horrible, wicked grin. She had no eyes. They were just black holes. The look she gave me, almost as if she were conveying a challenge like, Oh yeah? What are you going to do if I don't? That was it. Anger fueled my bravery and I finally broke through my terror to move in and run through the old woman's clear see-through form to grab my daughter and bolt. We stayed at a friend's house the rest of the night and we moved out about a month after that. I've never been back to the house since then, even though I visit friends in the trailer park all the time. And we left almost everything behind. I was afraid she could be attached to something, so we took almost nothing. I've had a lot of scary moments in my life, but this one is the one that still gets to me. I felt like a horrible parent for freezing up, even for a second. I'll never forget the way my daughter was screaming either. I hope no parent ever hears their kids scream the way mine did that night. I wanted to die. Shannon, let me tell you, as a mom, I literally got goosebumps reading this story because I was just picturing myself in the same situation, and it is terrifying to think of. You know, I hate when my daughter cries, and I especially hate when I feel like that cry is happening because she's in some sort of pain, but I can't imagine the type of cry or scream that she would have seeing something in her room at night that is paranormal. That seriously freaks me out, and honestly, do not beat yourself up for freezing because it's human. 
you know, your instinct was to run into the room and check on your daughter. You did. You froze. And then you acted. And that's what makes a difference. And your daughter likely feels very safe and comforted by your presence. And you did the right thing. So I hope everything is okay. And that has never happened again and will never happen again. Our next story comes from Nick is my name one. He shakes up the end to our summer season with a quintessential yet out of the ordinary camp story. I was 27 and working at a Boy Scout camp far up in the woods of very northernly Northern California. Where I worked had a large population of black bears, which, for the most part, were rather harmless and easy enough to scare away with a shot from a rifle. However, we had a large number of Boy Scouts at this camp weekly. Sometimes as many as 500 heads. And with a lot of vastly spread out campsites, there's going to be a few campers who sleep with candy bars in their pockets and basically make themselves a prepackaged dinner snack for a bear. I tell you this, black bears love Reese's peanut butter cups. As a part of staff, oftentimes I was scheduled for bear watch and basically strolled the entirety of the camp with a rifle, going from site to site, making my presence known so as to ensure the bears wouldn't come anywhere near. On one of those routine nights, everything was more still and more quiet than usual, and I remember finding it rather odd and unsettling. I had just checked in on the camp the furthest away from all the other campsites. It was a good half mile away from base proper. As I'm strolling along the trail that runs behind the lake, I stopped to take a number one and light a joint that I had stashed away for such an occasion of being out by the lake at two in the morning. As human beings, we have natural gut feelings we must always adhere to for survival. There was definitely a gut feeling I had that things were amiss. Not only was it unusually still and quiet, but I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being watched and that I most certainly was not alone. I nervously took a few puffs from my J and then put it out, now being more aware of the unnerving sense in the air. I've been face to face with a bear. I've been stalked by a mountain lion. I've slept a little too close to a den of coyotes late in the night, but this was different. I didn't have the sense that I was in the presence of any animals. The smell was overwhelming. It didn't smell like any bear I've experienced. It was almost sour, but still musky. I'll never forget the smell, but I can never find the words to properly describe it. As I reached for my flashlight... Before considering readying my rifle, a massive boom hit the ground, falling from the trees above and nearly knocking me on my ass from the sheer force of it. I reached for my flashlight that had fallen to the ground as I heard something large, something massive, running away from me into the tree line up into the hill above. Immediately, I considered it was probably the biggest bear I'd ever come across, and black bears can be spooked easily, so at first I considered myself lucky. But as I lay there, hyperventilating, shaking, and quaking in my boots, I started to consider the sound of the beast running away. It didn't sound like the stride of a black bear in flight. It sounded bipedal. It sounded human. I braced myself, 
stood up, readied my rifle, released the safety, and shot upward into the air toward the lake. It woke many campers and scoutmasters. I stood out there for a good ten minutes alone before the camp leader and some other staff came to me. During that time, I had my flashlight out and was inspecting the scene. Whatever had dropped from the branches above fell from possibly twenty feet, and in its wake of running away had torn branches off into the hill line that stood thirteen feet from the ground. And some smaller trees were bent almost all the way down into the ground. I have never seen a bear do that, that's for sure. By the time some of the staff and some concerned campers arrived, everybody was stumped. Most campers, to comfort themselves, insisted it was just a bear. I do know this. No bear running on all fours stands 13 feet tall, and no bear can run on two feet for 12 yards uphill. They just don't do that. We're all thinking it, so I'll just say it. I think I encountered a Sasquatch that night. If not, I don't know what it was, but I'm glad it was running away from me and not at me. Because whatever that thing was, beast or man, it was gargantuan, and I would not have stood a chance if it had decided to confront me. That is one crazy camp experience. Typically, we get ghostly camp stories here, and your Sasquatch encounter really shook up this episode. Hopefully, you weren't too shaken up yourself, and I'm glad you and the campers were safe. Our next story comes from King AJ74, whose kindness may have saved his neighbors' afterlife. I'm a 23-year-old man, and I recently had an experience quite unlike any of my lifetime. I live in a community housing project. I would say it's half a hotel-slash-motel and a half apartment. It's one building with three floors of maybe about 20 different studio bedrooms on each floor, and two other buildings with the same, except these are two bedrooms. That's neither here nor there, just trying to give some perspective. I have been staying at this place for about eight months now. I haven't really had any problems at all. I wouldn't say this is a problem, not as of yet at least. There was an old lady that stayed directly across from me. She must have had kind of a rough life because she broke down pretty bad mentally over time. Every night since I first moved here, I would hear her screaming and yelling and cursing, literally having whole entire conversations. This was weird from Jump Street after the first few days when I realized she lives completely alone. I heard her literally making threats every night and sometimes crying and apologizing to someone. After a while, I actually ended up getting used to this behavior. Sometimes I would actually bump into her, not literally in the hall. No one talked to her and she just pointed at everybody and would say the most vicious evil things to literally everybody. 
Our first encounter, I was met with this same treatment. I fake smiled it off and asked how she was doing because ever since the death of my grandmother in 2014, I, for some reason, have an extreme soft spot and instant love for old ladies. Not in a weird kind of way, just kind of like a, how are you, let me help you with your bags, ma'am, kind of way. I approached this lady in a similar fashion, and she seemed to not know how to take it, but she did not meet me with that same aggression as she does to anyone else she laid her eyes on. Now, remember, when I said I was eight months in here? Well, fast forward to about July 1st. By this time, me and this lady have crossed paths about nine to ten times, briefly, but a few times. We never really had a conversation at all, but I would always make sure I spoke and acknowledge the woman, and she didn't really show emotion, but a little gratitude. Now, every day, all day, she would still continue this manic scream in her room. She very literally sounded like an older, very, very angry middle-aged man. As I said, I was directly across from her, but we are also right dead at the end of our long-ass hallway. To make things even better, I have a 10-hour shift job that I work 4-5 to days a week, and I'm working a 5pm to 4am shift. So just imagine a long day of work, and you get to your studio at the very end of the hall, almost isolated with this lady. At 4am, we know it's very early, but very late too. It's still dark outside when I pull up to my apartment. And of course, I'm thinking, of course, it's 4.30 a.m. and this woman is still up barking, growling, shouting, evil, haunting, spooky stuff, sounding like a man. I swear, this is absolutely no exaggeration. Right now, it is 4.14 a.m. as I type this. I actually took a day off today, and I think I may take another to wrap my mind around what has happened in the last few days. On July 18th, roughly around 6 a.m., this is a Sunday morning... The woman was found dead in her room, right across from me. She was not killed. Nobody ever came to see her or anything. She had no relationships, as far as any resident here ever knew. A maintenance man would check on her at least once a day because, like me, he felt very bad for the old woman. When he checked on her, he saw her and obviously reported it. They had her wrapped up and gone by 9 a.m., From what I was told, I really didn't ask that much. They say it was natural causes, or she completed suicide. I spent the past weekend at my girlfriend's, so I was not present when whatever happened, happened. But when I returned to my apartment Sunday at around maybe like 11.30, 12 o'clock, I walked the halls and literally for the first time in eight months, I heard no screaming. Keep in mind, I had no knowledge of what had happened. I'm walking to my door... I see absolutely no one in sight. I turn and stick my key in and I hear a familiar voice. It's the old lady, but she looks much, much different. She looked cleaner and happier. Her hair was not at all all over the place from constantly running into walls, and she actually spoke clearly. She saw me and said, Hey, And I was shocked at just that simple three-letter basic greeting from this woman. Honestly, with the events that transpired, I could not remember our exact conversation verbatim, but it was literally the happiest and best I ever saw her. It took me about three seconds to realize it was her. Now, keep in mind, once again, I have no knowledge of her death. At this point in my encounter with her, it was approaching 12 p.m., 
She allegedly died at 6 a.m., but anyways, we had a brief convo and I said, I'll see you later, ma'am. I'm a little tired. You look beautiful today. She said, I'll see you again, young man, and walked back into our apartment. There was something about her. She had a certain glow to her, a certain force and energy that I had never felt before from her. Anyways, at this time, I think nothing about it, and I go to my house, shut my door, and use the restroom. Miss Tate, a lady from the rental office who I am close with and look to as a godmother, came and knocked on the door. I opened and she asked me how I was doing. I told her, I'm fine, chilling, you know, the usual. She had a very shook, horrified, and sad look on her face. She said, have you heard about the incident? I said, no, what's going on? She says, the woman across the hall from you took her own life this morning. I look at her and say nothing for like legitimately 15 seconds. I ask, are you talking about the screaming lady across the hall? She says, yes. I ask, are you sure it was her? She gives me a confused look before quickly saying, I seen that lady with my own eyes, sweetie. I say, I seen her with my own eyes too, just 15 to 20 minutes ago, Miss Tate. I don't know if this was supposed to be a joke or what, but you need to give this up. She looked dumbfounded and we nearly had a bad argument. I said, let's go to her room right now. She repeatedly says, I'm not going. You can go all you want. She was saying she was never going in that room again. Miss Tate cooled down and she actually showed me all the proof and paperwork and I'm literally lost for words. I never even got that woman's name. Miss Tate told me she suffered from extreme schizophrenia and dementia and she had a very sad last half of her life. This is such a heartwarming story, King AJ. I really think your kindness and the little she received from the building staff may have contributed to helping her be more at peace for what time she had left on Earth and then afterwards. Who knows what sort of spirit she could have become if it weren't for the kindness you all showed her. I hope you've been able to come to terms with the experience and that you know you were a bright light in her dark days. Our next story comes from Sam, who emailed us in the heat of the moment to tell us about something lurking in the house. Y'all, I swear, I am so creeped out right now. I'm in my living room doing my true crime deep dives, as you do, and I hear this weird rustling. I'll be honest, it was in the back of my mind, so I didn't really pay much attention to it. I keep doing my thing, and I hear it again. This time, it registered. So I start looking around. I don't hear anything, but the room is dark, and my hair is now standing on end, and I can feel myself get goosebumps. So naturally, I turn my phone flashlight on. At this point, I'm walking around the room and I hear it again. It's coming from the fireplace, but there's literally nothing in my fireplace, guys. Now I'm super freaked out and I've got to pee. I sprint hop to the restroom and do my business. As I'm walking out of the bathroom, I hear a voice say, Hi. But it sounded slightly disoriented. I don't even know how to describe it. 
If I wasn't so short, I would have hit the ceiling with how high I jumped. Instead, I face-planted the wall because I also somehow simultaneously tripped over my own feet in the process. I used this speed jump to the wall to flip the light switch on. Y'all, there was nothing there. Nothing. Nothing. I ran to my son's room. He's sleeping peacefully in his bed. I ran into my bedroom. Husband is passed out in our bed and baby is asleep in her crib. I walk through the house. Nothing. Complete silence. So I go back and sit on the couch. I swear, as soon as I sat down, I heard this soft clicking. Once again, it's coming from my fireplace. There is nothing there. I swear, I'm not making a single word of this up. I'm currently freaked out and contemplating waking up my husband because I'm a little chicken. (laughs) Sam, I believe you wholeheartedly, and I know the rest of the It's Haunted What Now community also believes you. So don't feel like you're going crazy. It must be daunting to be sort of alone and have an experience like that, but Hopefully it wasn't any evil entity and just something trying to say hi and nothing more. And also, thanks for sharing with us in real time. That's awesome and I hope it doesn't ever happen again, but I kind of do because I love the content. Now, Moss Moore brings us our final story about an unknown spiritual affinity that helped him name a ghost. I've been working at a party supply store for about six months now, and since the day I started, all the employees have been joking about a ghost who lives there that they call Mary. She knocks stuff off of shelves, triggers the alarm, bangs on the manager's office door at night. Creepy. Typical run-of-the-mill spirit stuff. She has recently become more active. A few weeks ago, me, my manager, and my mom, who also works there, stayed at the store until 7 a.m. because we needed to get a certain number of boxes stocked before the following day. Around midnight or so, I was in one of the front aisles when there was a loud crash from the center aisle followed by an alarmed scream from my mom. I ran out thinking she was hurt, but her eyes were fixed on the candy aisle. She had been up front pricing items. I stuck my head in and one of the large boxes from the top shelf had fallen over and all of its contents had spilled out. I started to clean it up when I caught sight of a woman out of the corner of my eye. I turned to look at her fully, but she was gone the next second. And so I went back up front to price my next box. I had my music blaring through a speaker so I couldn't hear my manager yelling for me. She walks up to get my attention and I pause the music. She asked if I was messing around in the wedding aisle because she could hear footsteps and banging coming from there. I tell her no, and my mother vouches for me as well since she had seen me up at the front that whole time. My manager peeks down the aisle in question to see if a customer had somehow stayed behind and we just didn't notice, but there was no one there. I laugh and tell her it must have been Mary, even though I thought I had seen her in the candy section. My manager gets very serious and asks what she looked like. I told her I didn't know much, but that she was wearing a blue little house on the prairie leg dress. She said, 
that's what we saw on the cameras a few weeks ago. The banging continues, which we all ignore for the most part. I go to the bathroom around 3 a.m., and when I enter, I hear someone whisper, I tell my manager and my mom that Mary must actually be Lucinda. We refer to her as Lucinda or Lucy for the rest of the night, and the ruckus stopped. When we left that morning, my mom made a comment about how I've seen spirits since I was little. I don't remember any of the instances she gave me. I do get dreams of the deceased, but I assume that was normal and a part of the grieving process. Lucinda has been very active every day since that night, and one of the other managers saw her on the cameras recently. Mossmore, it looks like Lucinda was definitely trying to get your attention, since she could feel your affinity to spirits. I would probably be a spirit that throws boxes around if I heard people calling me by the wrong name. And so I bet Lucinda was happy to have her voice heard and have her name finally corrected. Well, that does it for this episode. If you'd like to submit your own personal spooky tale to be read on the show, head to hauntedpod.com and click on the link to submit your story. You can also email me at hauntedpod at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast player of choice. It really does help. You can find us on Twitter at podcast underscore haunted, Instagram at it's haunted what now, or at hauntedpod.com. Production assistance provided by Rebecca and Aaliyah Lopez. Writing assistance by Sherilyn Reyes. The official composer for the show is Nico at We Talk of Dreams. Check him out on Twitter at We Talk of Dreams or WeTalkOfDreams.com. Audio engineering provided by Chez at Gray Multimedia. Until next time. Did you hear that?